What do you do when things don't exactly pan out? Scramble for the next thing? Quickly build a contingency plan? Maybe freak out a little bit? On this episode of Tower After Hours, we sat down with our client-facing team to explore how crafting a marketing strategy can help your agency stay on track and get back on the road when things get a bit dicey. From client personas to client management to just a little bit of TikTok, we think you're going to love this episode. But hey, before you dive in, be sure to like us on SoundCloud, check us out on Apple Podcasts, and visit our site at towermarketing.net. Welcome back to Tower After Hours. I am your host, Danny. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Today, we are talking about creating a marketing strategy uh, 101. So all the good basics, everything you need to know. And I am joined by, and I mean this in the best way possible, I think three Tower veterans. Um, I am joined (laughs) by Amanda, Alyssa, and Kelly. How are you all doing today? Finally, someone that understands us. Wow. Great. (laughs) Wow. But he may have like like low key called his No, that's <laughs> we've been around the block. That's why I have to preface it with in the best way possible. Okay. Three tower veterans. I'll accept it. <laughs> in the last episode, I I tried to like really butter up uh, our CEO Mike's intro, you know, just because mm-hmm. it was the first podcast recording him, and he he was like, "Wow, well, after that one, I don't I don't really know what to say." So I feel like I did a, a good job, but I'm still I'm still working on the intro. He loved it. Um, so yeah, as I said, we are talking about, uh, creating a marketing strategy today. So we're just going to dive right in. Amanda, you are first up here. Um, so maybe just give a, like a really quick intro of your role here at tower, uh, what you do. You don't have to go into it too deep. Again, you guys have been on before. Um, and then you can just sort of roll right into uh, what you have prepared for us. Sure. Um, I'm Amanda. I'm currently a account executive at tower marketing. I have been in many different positions at Tower Marketing, starting as a content writer um, and then moved to a project coordinator and now an account executive. So I've been in a lot of different scenarios at Tower, which is probably why why you feel that I'm a veteran. (laughs) I've, um, I've dealt with my fair share of a lot of different types of clients and industries and projects. Um... So when this topic came up, um, I honestly, I pulled a lot from everything that I've learned and what we've done and our processes um, to really kind of illustrate marketing strategies and why we need one. Um, And that's basically what I'm going to jump into is before you start creating a marketing strategy, you really need to understand why you need a marketing strategy because a lot of people will skip over this step and just kind of jump right into the initiatives. But in reality, um, a marketing strategy allows you to create a comprehensive long-term plan that you can then execute month after month, year after year with tweaks and and things that you come up with. But I kind of think of it as a roadmap. So, when you're driving or you're traveling somewhere, um, with, a, with a marketing plan, you can start to see all of the routes you have and narrow it down to one that is convenient or direct for you 
That way when you're driving, you no longer have to guess or you no longer have to try to figure out which, which route to take, you already know. And based on prior experiences, you could put that in too, as well as like, oh, I took this road before, I know it's not gonna work for me. So you go the other path. That's how I kind of see it. It's this roadmap for you and your business um, that allows you to get to your goal, get to the place that you need to be without having to second guess or reinvent the wheel or drive around cul-de-sacs and dead ends um, getting nowhere. So all in all, I have five different reasons why you really should consider a marketing plan. It sounds like a lot. I'll try to get through it all. <laughs> um, but with all of that in mind, consistent with consistent marketing, you need to be you you become an authority in the industry, a resource for your industry. And if you're this go-to source, users are more likely to go to you first rather than your competitors. So once you establish yourself in an industry with marketing, with all of your marketing initiatives, over time users will gravitate towards you rather than your competitors. Also, if you're continuously providing useful tools and information, user, users will view your business as an expert, which rolls into Google's, uh, Google has this strategy for ranking and, and search guidelines. It's called EAT, E-A-T. So it's expertise, authority, and trust. And a lot of towers initiatives are based on that because Google holds it so highly. Um, and with, without expertise, authority, and trust, your business, your website, your marketing um, initiatives won't have as much impact as they probably could be. So just something to keep in mind. With a marketing plan, you can also grow your company over time um, to beat out your competition. So we already talked a little bit about you know going past your competition. But by actively taking time to research and audit yourself and your competitors, you can see the areas of opportunity to grow into. And by tracking your progress and KPIs, you can, you can tell what's working, what's not over time um, to weed out those, those routes, the, the roadmap routes that you don't wanna take. Um, it's also great because a lot of businesses, and I'm Kelly, Alyssa, let me know if you agree, a lot of businesses um, seem to be reactionary instead of proactive in a lot of different ways. So, so a marketing plan allows you to be more reactionary, or uh, not, not reactionary, proactive, because you already have a plan in place. You already have something on your side, um, so you can focus more on what's coming instead of reacting to what has happened. So that's another. I'm on three. I'm on the, I'm on the third one. <laughs> <laughs> Knocking them out. Um, the third point is that it gives you valuable time back. So once you have all of that work done, the marketing plan is complete, you have your roadmap, mm -hmm. mo most of your work mm -hmm. is done. There's ex execution you still need to do, sure, and you know, looking at the data and kind of analyzing what works and what doesn't, but you now have time back in your life and your business to focus on things that, uh, that might need your attention more. So 
while things are running, while you know your car's cruising down the road, you get time to go look at something else that really impacts your business. Number four. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a marketing it, plan also allows you to budget and forecast for your future. So while you have to have some sort of budget in mind to create a marketing strategy, um, over time, you'll be able to refine that budget to make it work for what you need it to be. And that could be less, that could be more over time, depending on how your business grows and how it flexes. Uh, but it's definitely something to consider. And the final... <laughs> is that by default, your marketing plan will provide you with better data for future marketing and decision-making. Decision so all in all, informed decisions are the best decisions and ultimately result in better outcomes. So with a written plan and a strategy, you can pinpoint your successes and downfalls. Not that there has to be downfalls, <laughs> but you can pinpoint them to be uh, based on your analytics and data to better see how your business interacts with your cust your customers, your clientele, um, and make better informed decisions for the future. Yeah, that's fantastic. There's so much info in there. And when you're speaking to, even reading through uh, some of the notes that you all put down before this episode, I'm like, they know way more about marketing than I do. And I'm like, <laughs> there's so much to it because, well, one of the things I was thinking, and I think you touched on this a little bit, um, in your points too. But um, I was speaking to a friend of mine and this is really apt for like anybody listening to this who's in an agency, but he was saying um, where he works, um, they don't necessarily always have a super concrete plan. So if a client comes to them and they're like, I don't really see like why we're doing this, uh, you know, paid social like this or like why we're on this platform or whatever it is. Um, or in other cases too, where it's being effective, they don't necessarily have like the data or they didn't have the roadmap laid out before as to why they were doing it. So it's just kind of like fingers crossed. Hopefully it works and you're happy with it. But if it's not, it's a little bit tougher to be like, well, this is why we're doing it and we should really see it through. Or like you said, not necessarily that, you know, downfalls have to happen. Of course, you don't aim for those. But if they do, then you can kind of be like, okay, well, maybe we were missing this in the strategy. It was pretty comprehensive. But now we can see that like there was this hole and we can sort of plug that up and fix it. And then we can move on from there. It's maybe surprising and it's probably not the norm, hopefully. But I think there are a lot of businesses for sure, even some agencies, depending on their size, maybe that don't take the time to create the roadmap before. And that just must put a lot of stress on things i mean for for everybody in the company um right. but the client as well because they're uh you know dependent upon you like trusting you with their resources to kind of lead them on the way and so without the strategy it really is just like another driving analogy but it's kind of like you're just driving blind um, right it can be pretty crazy i think i think a lot of times we have clients who come and you know reach out to tower and kind of have in their mind like we want an agency and we want to do ppc or we want to do internet radio or any kind of you know marketing initiative and just with a little digging and you know asking questions I, it quickly becomes a apparent that no i don't think that's what you want to be doing to like meet your goals but they just they feel like oh everybody's doing spotify radio so i need to do spotify radio but that's not like having that strategy and knowing what your goals are, knowing what your audience is, is going to 
right. tell you what you need to do. It's also um, great to have a marketing strategy in the case that you have leadership to convince of a marketing plan. Um, if you have to convince other people in your company that XYZ is the right way to go, having a marketing plan in place or even having like a third party, party partnership with an agency allows you to have like all of this backup and support that really drives your initiatives home and, and gives your leadership a reason to invest in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that was fantastic. Continuing to build off of that, Kelly, you, I think you mentioned a little bit uh, already, which segs nicely into some of the things you are going to be speaking about. But um, I would say take it away. Uh, as Amanda did, if you want to just give us a really quick overview of just your role at Tower, uh, what you do, and then um, you can dive right in. Absolutely. So hi, I'm Kelly. Um, much like Amanda said, um, I am not in the role at Tower that I started when I started at Tower. I also um, joined the Tower team about seven years ago, and I was uh, also working in content marketing, much like Amanda did. Um, and I did that up until two years ago when I moved over to an account executive role. There was just kind of a, a hole in the company that we were having a hard time filling, and I was like... <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be this moral, person. Moral of the story. Um, yeah. Moral of the story is if you're a <laughs> right. content marketer, you can be an account executive. <laughs> watch out, Danny. You too, Danny. Watch out. Or, I know. I was gonna say, or will become. I guess that's the trend. Right? Right. I better really pay attention on this on this episode. So. Um, but you're right, Danny. I felt like as I was talking earlier, I was, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm leading into my to my topic, but um, in a very good way. Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's the one part um, of the marketing strategy that is kind of where people don't know where to go. So, you know, you start a marketing strategy, you you kind of delve into what your industry is and, and you look at your business specifically, what are the goals that we're, you know, trying to reach with our marketing? You know, what is the audience that we're trying to reach? And, and that stuff I feel like comes a little bit easy to people it's when it's okay now what channels do we take to to reach that audience and ultimately reach our goals and i think that um the fact that there are so many marketing channels out there that you can take advantage of and they seem to grow every day. So you have things like SEO and email marketing, you have traditional print advertising or, you know, on-site events or promotions and social media and and the list goes on and on. And then you can niche it even further because if you're going to do social media, are you going to do TikTok? Are you going to do LinkedIn? Are you going to do Twitter? So I think that's when people get a little bit, um, this is when they get ready to hand it off to to an agency. They're like, okay, um, so what do we do? And most companies probably don't have the budget to utilize every channel. And even if they did, it probably is is not a good idea to just cast this net out and try to, you know, reach everyone everywhere. So you want to kind of be selective when you're um, determining which marketing channels that you want to use. So a couple things that I noted that I think that you need to look at is, um, number one, kind of audit what you're doing currently. 
So, you know, we talk to clients who are like, oh, yeah, we've done PPC in the past and we've, you know, done some social marketing, um, you know, and but when you press them on, like, was that successful for you? They don't always know, um, you know, because I don't think they are necessarily looking at the hard data and the measurables um, that they should be looking at. So, you know, examples of data that kind of signify whether your marketing channel is being effective for you or not is you can look at um, traffic that is coming to your website or traffic that is coming in store for you. Um, You can look at conversions, which would be sales and revenue, but it doesn't even always need to be. It could just be people on your site who have accessed a brochure or who have um, submitted a contact form. Um, And you can also look at measurables um, like impressions or engagement. So you post something on social media, how many people saw it, how many people responded to it. So you want to look at those things for the initiatives that you're doing currently and um, see which ones are working best for you. So you can be putting social posts out there, but if no one is liking or sharing, it's really just kind of falling into the abyss. Um, Or maybe you're doing um, PPC, Google AdWords, and, you know, you're paying $12 for every click over to your website, but then when people get there, they're only spending $10. So you really just kind of want to look at cost effective and time effective are the things that you're doing um, working for you. If they are working for you, fantastic. Continue on with them and maybe tweak them and and make them even better. But if something is just really, you know, it's just not producing the results that you would like to see, there's there's no shame in just letting something go. Um, So after you audit yourself, I think it's also kind of important to audit what's going on around you to maybe find some new channels that you should be exploring. So channels that make sense for your industry and channels that make sense for your audience. Um, So you can do a competitive audit. You can see where your competitors are. Are they on Twitter? Are they doing Spotify ads? Are they running Google AdWords? Are they doing print advertising in in local publications? Um, so take a look at what they're doing. And um, you, know, you can't always see their results firsthand like you can your own, but, but you can get a pretty good idea of um, things that look to be successful or not. And then I think the other thing that you want to do is you can... Um, agencies have um, access to kind of what we call audience intelligence tools. And that can give you some really good insight into where your target audience. So, you know, males who are 25 plus who live in this metro area, you can fine tune that and you can find out where they're spending their time online, um, what social media platforms they're using, what websites they're visiting, um, who they follow on social media, the type of things that they post about. And then from that, you can kind of find, okay, so a lot of my audience um, is on LinkedIn. That makes sense. I I should be on LinkedIn. But, you know, maybe they're kind of also big into podcasts and they all seem to be listening to podcasts about true crime (laughs) because who isn't, Um, you know, and, and maybe that's something that you, a channel that you need to be exploring. Um, And then the third thing that I would call out 
when you're selecting a marketing channel to um, to be a part of is that unfortunately more and more you need to kind of what I call pay to play um, more, especially online marketing channels, they're moving and they're giving um, more advantages to paid options on their site. So as an example, um, social social advertising, um, you know, you can put, you know, eight posts up a month and they're really well crafted and you're, you know, pointing them to your website and sharing a lot of great information. But in all honesty, you know, a platform like Facebook or Instagram is going to give priority to, you know, a, a, a post that's a paid ad that somebody is, you know, sponsoring or they boosted a post. Um, so a lot of times paid social ads are really um, are going to perform better because yes. the algorithm is just um, doing more to push um, paid. Um, you know, another example is you can and you and you very much should, you know, put months and months into um, strengthening your website's SEO potential. So you're, you know, studying up on the health of your website and you're working in keywords and you're creating this great content um, that will eventually help you be found in the search engines. But that does take a lot of time and that does, you know, take, it doesn't happen overnight. So while you're putting in that time, you may also need to be looking at Google AdWords or a PPC campaign that's going to get you those search engine impressions quicker until you're able to build up the organic impressions and get those organic followers to your site. So nobody likes to hear that they probably have to do um, paid instead of taking advantage of the free or the organic um, options that are available to them. Um, but sometimes that is a necessity and, and you shouldn't shy away from um, uh, marketing channels where you have to have an ad budget. So um, my key takeaway after all of that is you don't need to be everywhere for everyone. You need, it's more important that you evaluate the channels that are working for you, working for your competition, and look into those channels where your audience is spending a lot of time um, and invest your um, time and, and monetary resources into those types of channels. Yeah, that's great. I mean, with that that final point too, uh, you don't need to be everywhere for everyone. By the time client work gets down to me, there's typically already uh, what we call a persona created for our clients, mm -hmm. which is like uh, mm -hmm. this is the audience we're writing for, and it kind of helps you to visualize um, for me and content specifically, like the, just the audience we're trying to attract, so the kind of language we're using, so on and so forth. But um, have you ever had a client, and this is kind of building off on too, like you don't need to be on every platform either. Have you ever had a client uh, when you're building out their marketing strategy, strategy be like, I 100% know this is the audience that that I serve. And I definitely think that like we should be on this platform. And then when you're doing it, you you have to go to them and be like, I mean, yeah, that's just that's not your audience. Like, has that happened? Do, or like, or business owners or people, are they ever off base even after kind of years of service with kind of exactly who they think they're targeting or who Amanda's raising her hand. Is? She's, she's got examples. We plead, <laughs> oh no. We plead the fifth. I was, I was just saying, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
it has happened. I feel like sometimes business owners, you know, they are so in the weeds in their business and they're focused on so many things that maybe they don't see the holistic picture, which is why some people come to an agency because they want to see that third party perspective, the, the, you know, bird's eye view of everything, which can help determine whether or not the personas that were thought were correct are. And sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. It really depends on the business, the industry, and, you know, how much time somebody has dedicated already to kind of exploring marketing avenues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say where it gets yeah. a little dicey is we've got some clients that, um, think they have more than one persona and sometimes you do like sometimes you absolutely do but we're on different pages about who the primary person is and Mm -hmm. I mean when we are not we've learned over time because we do I mean every internet marketing project that we have has an IM plan and at least a single primary persona attached to it like it's just part of our onboarding because we believe in it that much but if we're not on the same page on that strategy level we never get on the same page. Even if we're consistent on goals, if we are not clear and seeing the same path forward with a client, it, there's always just a mix of, of expectations that are missed or not the same or valued differently, which can make it really difficult. But um, yeah, we've got some clients that certainly want to be proven wrong. So, you know, they personally may not like Facebook for whatever reason, personal or professional, but that's where their audience is and that's where their competitors are. So they will begrudgingly let us advertise on Facebook, but under the guise of, well, this isn't going to perform because of all the reasons that I don't like it, which makes it a little bit difficult. Um, and then you've got some other clients that are who who just flat out say, no, I don't want to advertise on Facebook. I don't care if my audience is there. I, I personally don't want to spend my money there. And that makes it tough too. So I will say those are fringe cases. We see them. They certainly are fringe cases. Um, but like both Kelly and Amanda have said, it's it's that data and that that competitive landscape that really will kind of point you in the direction that you should go. Um, but I will, I will say that, um, while we don't recommend TikTok very much, I volunteer (laughs) to be the TikTok team lead on any project. Thank you. (laughs) Here's a fun fact. The advertising spend limit for TikTok is insanely high. It's ridiculous. The minimum ad, because we looked into it for a few clients, the minimum ad spend that they have is some insane amount. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, one day. But I, but I, I will head that I project any day. Just let me know. Just let me know. I'm there whenever you need me. I'm here. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Listen. Listen. Content marketer, project coordinator, account executive, TikTok mastermind. That's it. That's the that's the elevation. It works, Amanda. <laughs> In the office. Yes. They have definitely built out a new position. Just you just. I mean, talk about a workout. Like talk client. about good cardio, good workout. You could do it. 
Basically, BuzzFeed would be <laughs> like, you know, after you to recruit you for their, their <laughs> Yes. I'm um, just imagining you having to create the TikToks for every client, too. And that's just eight know, hours straight of <laughs> making, of just following the greatest TikTok trends. No, let's do TikTok. Let's, the whole podcast is now a TikTok podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, um, moving on, it's, I, I hate to say moving on from TikTok because we, we definitely, we definitely, as a culture, we definitely have no, not moved on from TikTok. No but <laughs> in this conversation, <laughs> <laughs> in in the conversation um Alyssa, uh take it away uh following what kelly and amanda did just uh, give us a, a really quick rundown i think on your role here at tower and then take it away so i can't remember if you guys introduce yourself but i'll obviously Alyssa and the last one left um and i have oh gosh i've been here closing out my ninth year um, as is the trend with the other, um, ladies on the, on the <laughs> podcast today, I also did not start in the role that I'm currently in. Um, I actually started at tower many years ago as a social media specialist where all I did all day, every day was Facebook. <laughs> um, and what a time that was. Um, so I did that for a while, but I have been in, um, kind of a project management, slash account management role for just about six and a half years um, and have managed everything from internet marketing accounts to website projects, big and small, um, to uh, all the creative work that we do as well, the traditional media that we do. Um, I'm currently a client success manager, which essentially is just a really glorified title of saying I'm involved in everything at every time because I don't know why, but I am. Um, so I'd like to think, <laughs> I'd like to think that on some level, my involvement provides value somewhere along the line, both to clients and internal team. Um, but my goal is really to kind of be that sounding board for our team and clients to ask some of those difficult questions, push the boundaries a little bit and try to kind of prevent roadblocks that may be in the future. Um, while the AEs on, um, in their role in project is really to keep um, the client relationship very solid. So that's my role too, but where AEs may need to be a little bit more politically correct in their approach, I don't necessarily <laughs> have to be because they still have that relationship with the AE. So um, yeah, so I've been at Tower for a long time. I've seen a lot of things. Um, when I was prepping for this, I was like, man, I don't need to read an article. It's just going to spill out of my brain. And then the minute it did spill out of my brain, I was like, maybe I should find an article or two just to make sure that I'm not like completely off the block here. So um, the approach that I kind of took on thinking about creating that strategy or the basics kind of blends what Kelly and Amanda have said and then also puts more of a spin on it of how to basically prepare that strategy. Um, so what they both talked about, which is super important is kind of information gathering. And really like when you create a marketing strategy, that's basically what you're doing. You are collecting information from past history in terms of what's working and what's not like they had mentioned. You're kind of laying out that roadmap, like Amanda talked about, you're, you're seeing where you need to go over the next year or months or quarter, whatever that may be. Um, and then at some point, you're also collecting information on any new initiatives that you want to try. 
Um, so one thing we are seeing right now a lot is OTT advertising. So a lot of traditional uh, media advertisers like TV stations, radio stations are trying to sell OTT, which is essentially advertising on streaming services. So as things like the cable industry are seeing shifts to more streaming uh, platforms from traditional cable, um, those advertising opportunities are becoming more bountiful. Um, so we kind of, um, there is always a wealth of new opportunity, new marketing initiatives that you can consider. Um, but again, the goal is to kind of bring it back to the relevancy of what your marketing strategy is for uh, past or future to come. So when you kind of are sitting down to really start putting pen to paper on your strategy, you really should start with very broad strokes. Um, so I have a few clients that we have put together kind of full marketing plans and strategies for a few years now. Um, and I always start with those really big strokes. So those things that Kelly and Amanda both described as things that are working that you shouldn't get rid of, they're the first thing to kind of go into your plan. You know that you can count on them at the end of the day. You know that on some level, they're safer options in terms of marketing. You know they're gonna produce results and you can kind of expect what those results are gonna be and when you're gonna see them. Um, so I always put those in first and you just start very uh, big picture. So if you are a company that has products and perhaps you sell t-shirts online, and you'll be releasing a long sleeve t-shirt line to happen for the fall of 2022, um, you should already be starting to think not just about what those t-shirts are, what it looks like, but how you're actually gonna go to market with it. So you're gonna put it on your site and then what's gonna happen? How are people gonna know it's, it's gonna be out in the public? Um, so at this point, you, don't know, you know it's coming, you can plan for it, you know you're going to have some tactic around it, but you don't need to get into the specifics of, am I going to offer a promo, and what is that promo going to be, and when's the you don't need to go that detail-oriented yet. So just start with those really broad strokes, and then as you continue to work with your strategy and pull other pieces in and continue collecting data and information, you can refine that over time to ultimately what it's going to be. From there, um, you can kind of work around those tried and true channels of marketing and, and tactics, whether it be email marketing or pay-per-click or internet radio advertising or social media advertising, or perhaps you have success with direct mail campaigns or loyalty programs if you have a, a brick and mortar store. Um, put those in place and start to plan them at relative times of the year where you know that they'll be most relevant. Um, there's a reason that they work, <laughs> so you really shouldn't discount them. It could definitely be nurturing that core customer you have, whereas some of the more riskier options, the newer initiatives you're gonna try, perhaps like OTT marketing, are where you can start to reach new customers that you may not be, be speaking to currently. And then, the next step, once you've got all of that laid on the table, you're like, cool, I want to do all these things next year. Then you start to talk about dollars and cents. <laughs> and that, if anything, is going to be a very sobering part of your marketing strategy. Um, so you kind of had asked, do we have people that say, oh, I want to advertise on this platform? Yeah, absolutely. But not always can you afford to do it or you can only afford to do it for a specific period of time. Um, so start to work in your budget 
to some of those initiatives, either the tried and true or the newer, more riskier ones that you're gonna give a try. And that just by nature will help to refine your marketing tactics and channels and outlets for the upcoming year. Um, however, it's important to know that when you start to work in your dollars, don't let those dollars stifle what you actually wanna do. So you'd be surprised how often you can go to a third party vendor and actually negotiate a rate with them. If you wanna try out TV advertising, it doesn't mean you have to do it for the whole year. You could do it for maybe the two or three months right before that new t-shirt line launches next year. So you can kind of strategically place some of that, those newer initiatives you wanna to try to give you the biggest impact and to help that surge right before your launch or, or coincide with it. Um, and then the last thing, which is kind of um, what Kelly had talked about a little bit, is to just blend your marketing initiatives. So she talked about that concept of, of meeting your audience where they are, not where you think they are, but where they actually are. And don't be afraid to try um, both digital and traditional marketing avenues. This is the step where you can get a little bit more specific about how you're gonna go to market with your t-shirt line. So great, your t-shirt line is gonna launch on September 1st. And so for the month of September, you're gonna offer a free shipping offer or a friends and family discount. And you're gonna push that friends and family discount out through social media advertising, but you're also gonna send a direct mail campaign to your current customers. And you're also gonna send an email marketing campaign to someone who purchased regular t-shirts in the last six months. That's when you can really start to get specific with the details of the strategy for a specific product launch or service, a new service rollout or a new service focus. So you've kind of got this bigger strategy and then that, that strategy should be built with smaller strategies within it based on specific goal or initiative or launch of a product, things like that. Um, so a really good example of that would be kind of Frito-Lay every year, I think, um, does that whole like flavor contest, right? So they have people come in, they have them recommend um, different flavors, and then they do this entire campaign surrounding the, that flavor rollout. Um, so there was one time where they did kind of a turn up the flavor contest where they collected those different flavors. And then what they did was say, great, to promote this, we are going to hire BB Rexa to create an exclusive song specifically for the campaign. And then when we start to roll those things out, to roll out those three final flavors, you'll have the opportunity to have a unique QR code or a code to put in that gives you exclusive access to her music. So it created a little bit of exclusivity. It did the whole crowdsourcing thing. They could push it out on social media. They could do TV advertising. They probably could do Spotify advertising. They're really blending their initiatives all around one single campaign. Um, and that is how you're truly gonna then be able to evaluate your budgetary spend. You're gonna be able to evaluate your market share. So are you reaching the audience you need to? And are you reaching more of the audience than your competitors are? Or did that blended initiative actually work in growing your market share? 
And then you're going to be able to make informed decisions, full circle. <laughs> you're going to be able to make informed decisions about how to use your marketing strategy or how it should change for next year. So if it was the first year you did TV commercials and you saw return to a landing page, then absolutely, you know, you could potentially build in more room in the budget for next year, or it's going to make it easier when you go ask for more money to do more TV commercials from your leadership later in the year to show them proven result. So the strategy as a whole is never stagnant. It never should be stagnant. It's always a learning curve. It's always a trial and error. But I think if you're doing it with that underbelly of intent that is targeted and specific and goals-based, um, you'll really be able to create some really cool stuff and, and stuff that should be recreatable year after year if you need it to be. Absolutely. That was awesome. I have to say the, the most impressive thing I think about this podcast is that all of your points Amanda Kelly and Alyssa are laid out so well. It's so clearly the result of having to explain things to clients or something. It's like of all the tower podcasts I've done so far, this is like, and we're bringing it back full circle and hitting every point. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, well, I mean, I think, can you tell, can you, can you tell that we love process and, <laughs> and ABC one, two, three. So it's that's just good. slightly different than like when you have the, when it's the podcast full of designers, the, the, it's just as good in a different way, but <laughs> the process isn't there as much. But it's crazy. Go ahead. It's crazy, Danny. We, Amanda and I were talking um, with a client this morning and it's difficult. A lot of the clients we have are small marketing departments mm. and a lot of clients, I think agencies in general, generally see are small marketing departments and there are different ways to even create the strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So like what we've talked about today is really kind of the steps you should take, the things you should consider, the places you should look for information, but that doesn't even like scratch the surface of, you can build a strategy specifically around personas. You can build a strategy specifically around growth opportunities and maybe services or products that need marketing support, or you could build strategies over continuing to get lead generated. There's just, it's the tip of the iceberg. And it's just, it's things like that, that really challenge you to continue thinking creatively. Um, and, and it's not a one person job. I don't think there's a single strategy we create in here at tower that does not touch one or two or three other people for opinions and advice and input, which is just the name of the game. And if you have, if you're doing it in a, in a marketing position at a company, involve as many people as you can talk to those vendor relationships you have, talk to your agency of choice, talk to your coworkers, talk to the sales team, talk to leadership who, the more people you can get involved, the better, more well-rounded strategy you'll probably create in the end. So that's, that's our overall takeaway mic drop moment. Yeah, that, that's great advice. <laughs> um, I, I'd say anybody who's familiar with schedules of people who are client facing know how difficult it can be to carve out 40 or so minutes of the day. So I really thank you all for doing that with me for this episode. Um, and that was, uh, as Alyssa said, that was barely scratching the surface, but there's a lot of great info in there for creating a marketing strategy. Um, wherever you're listening to this, if it's uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on towermarketing.net, give us a like, shoot us a message. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Oh.